0: Oh my goodness. Good morning. Good afternoon. Whatever it is for you, I hope you're having a fantastic day. My name is Zach Schaumler. This is Strong Opinion Sports episode 482. Not gonna lie, today has been um, a morning of technical difficulty, which has been really frustrating. And I'm about a month away from A, moving, but B, changing my entire recording setup. And uh, I'm getting more and more excited for what the technology I'm using in the future, which will be even simpler and have less things that can break. Um, But let me give you a daily reminder. No matter what job you do, no matter how much you love your job, uh, you will run into hard stuff that will fall apart and break and problem-solving constantly. So uh, remember that even the best job has problems. Uh, Let's jump in. I, I put this on Patreon the other day. This episode is basically going to be driven by you guys, the listeners of this podcast. I put this on Patreon. I said, send me your sports hot takes. I want to hear your hottest takes. Hopefully you send in sports opinions, but I'll take other stuff too. For example, I hate ketchup. I think it's just a weird sugary acid. Send in your sports hot takes, and I'm going to discuss them on strong opinion sports. And then I gave like the little... The happy emoji and then the, the, the shaka, the little uh, the Hawaii hang loose uh, emoji. I use that too much, by the way. I, I don't know if you guys have an emoji use a little bit too much. I, I do the shaka like every day, and I do it. I, so my favorite thing about living here in Hawaii is, uh, that's gosh, there's, there's actually more like 20 things. But one of the things I love is that when you're driving around and you let a car go in front of you, they give you the shaka, you give them the shaka. Uh, and I've been doing that since high school. And it's nice to be in a society where I'm not the only one doing it all the time. Other people do it to me constantly, and I'm like, yeah, I've always wanted this, and I finally got it. Um, You guys showed up. Oh, my goodness. I put this on Patreon. You guys sent in a ton of responses. All of them are great ones, too, by the way. Uh, And the the feedback I got was so good, and the responses were so interesting and exciting that I'm going to make this idea – into multiple episodes. We'll see how long this one goes today. Uh, I got together, I think I think 15, but it could be 16 total opinions from you guys we'll talk about. We're going to end the show, by the way, by talking about Formula One. Don't worry, I'm burying it at the end, so if you want to skip it, you can. Uh, the first write-in of the day comes from Jacob. Let me, I'm such an idiot. I always do this. I, I start the show, then I go, huh, I better open my notes. Oh, well, let me remind you too, by the way. Uh, if you want to write into strong opinion sports, you go to patreon.com forward slash Zach schomler. You give a dollar a month, uh, literally that's $12 a year. And it, it does actually pay my rent a dollar a month, gives you access to write into strong opinion sports. It also gives you access to write into my other podcast, Zach Shamler talking. Also, you get Zach Shomler talking about a week early on Patreon, um, I think it's a good value. I am very proud of it. I should probably also say, on top of pimping my Patreon, you know, patreon.com forward slash Zach Shomler. let me also recommend, go listen to my other podcast, Zach Shomler Talking. I think a lot of people don't even know that it even is in existence. It's a fantastic show. I'm very proud of it. Um, It is not about sports. It's about me talking about life and telling the stories of the time I got a a, – from a, uh, a person who uh, I had to pay for it. Uh, <laughs> you guys can look it up. It's wild. It's interesting. It's a good show. Um, so right in number one comes from Jacob. Jacob says the New Orleans saints are the best team in the NFC. Now, Jacob, I would assume that you are a saints fan. Certainly the saints are better than they were in January. They're better today than they were to begin the off season. You know, they drafted Chris Olave, a receiver. They got Trevor Penning, a tackle. They signed uh, Teran Matthew, a really good safety. They added a good defensive player to an already really good defense. And by the way, I, I, I don't want this to be forgotten. The Saints have beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers twice in the regular season. Like That means they've sweeped Tampa in the regular season three years in a row. The Super Bowl year, even last year. Last year, the Saints beat Tampa nine to nothing later in the year, and uh, so while I, I acknowledge all of that, you know, I, I think the Saints are a much better football team than they were before. I still think New Orleans is the number two team in that division, um, and anyone who wants to argue in favor of New Orleans, you, you can't say that. Well, Tampa's got a new coach. Is that going to throw them off? Because also, New Orleans has a new coach. By the way, I don't think you can hear that. There's like a military helicopter like above my apartment right now. Of course that would happen. Like I, I all morning, nothing. Now suddenly I don't I honestly think you probably can't hear it. If you can, write in and let me know. But it's very distracting to me. Um so look, let's acknowledge I think New Orleans is gonna challenge Tampa. I think Tampa is gonna be a team that uh has struggle against the New Orleans Saints. Uh but I, I do not believe that New Orleans is the best team in the division. I would be shocked by that. And uh, I I think they're going to finish second in the division. I think I think New Orleans is a borderline playoff team, but I would still argue that the Buccaneers are a better football team all around than New Orleans. And if nothing else, they're pretty comparable. I think Tampa's got better receivers, uh, maybe a similar offensive line, maybe a similar defense. But if nothing else, if you're like I, I can't, I'm not really sure what edge to find with Tampa between New Orleans. Can any everyone acknowledge that Tom Brady's a better quarterback than Jameis Winston? Like I just. Um, Ty goes to the better quarterback, if nothing else. And so I think is a better football team than New Orleans. But certainly, the Saints are a better football team than they were last year, better than they were in January, and uh, they are going to challenge the Buccaneers this fall. Aaron writes in. Aaron says, Drew Locke and the Seahawks will make it to the playoffs next year. Aaron, uh, you're delusional, buddy. I'm not really sure... I, I I think Seattle is my favorite team to have the number one overall pick next year. Like, I think they could be the worst team in football. Them, Carolina, I, I think Houston might be better than people think. Um, I, I will say, there isn't a clear, like, garbage football team in the NFL right now. Every football team has somewhat of a decent roster. Even Seattle, they got Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf, Noah Fant. That's three good receiving weapons that... Um, even though I think Seattle's going to be bad, I do think that if Seattle has a bad year next year, they can have a bad year and still figure out, hey, Drew Locke is a good quarterback. Like, I I have a very open mind here. Drew Locke could play very well and could earn the starting job and become the franchise quarterback in Seattle. I hope he proves himself. I would love that. I thought in Denver he never really had a very good shot. Uh, Pete Carroll gave that quote the other day. I think he's actually right that Drew Locke would be the best quarterback in the 2022 NFL draft. Um, doesn't say very much. Kenny Pickett, you know, th- there was one quarterback taken in the first two rounds. Kenny Pickett was drafted number 20 overall. It's not like quarterback was a highly desirable position this year, but they might be right that Drew Locke is better than most. And i am he's got a great deep ball. Drew Locke does. Drew Locke throwing the ball to DK Metcalf. Boy, does that excite me. So uh, I... I think there's a good chance Drew Locke does well, even if Seattle's a bad football team, but I would be shocked if Seattle was a good football team. And by the way, to make the playoffs, they not only have to have a good record, they're not going to win their division. The Rams are better. The 49ers are better. Arizona is better. Unless all three of their starting quarterbacks get hurt, and then even on top of that, their defenses fall apart. Like I I just don't see a path for Seattle to the playoffs at all. So Aaron, I love you. I think you're a bit delusional on that one. Nick writes in, (laughs) talk about delusion. The New York Giants and New York Jets are going to the Super Bowl in 2026. They had surprisingly good drafts and seem seem to be making decent decisions. I hope both organizations find success in the next few years. I will say that would be wildly fun. New York versus New York in the Super Bowl. Uh, If that could happen in my lifetime, I I would pay a lot of money to see that. That would be awesome. I, I think I'd be. I, it would be bad for maybe the league because people would be bored and say, "Oh, it's all it's all New York Super Bowl," but New York would go crazy. It'd be fun. It'd be interesting. I would love that. Um, so I think a Super Bowl prediction, <laughs> Nick, it's a bit extreme. However, I agree that. Both the Jets and the Giants have been making good decisions and making good moves as an organization. Uh, The Jets got way better this offseason. They had a good free agents. They had a couple good draft picks. Uh, The Giants had a good draft. I love the philosophy that the Giants took on. They drafted a good offensive lineman. They drafted a good defensive lineman early on in the draft, investing in your linemen. I mean, people, man, linemen are so much more valuable than people realize, and I love seeing a team that appears to value them. They might have, of the three defensive ends they got taken early in the draft, it's very possible uh Kayvon Thibodeau becomes the best one as well. So, like, I mean, he was the number one pick for a long time until he fell in the draft. So um, it, it's very possible the Giants got the best of the pass rushers in this year's NFL draft. I also really like the Giants head coach Brian Dable. I believe in him. He's a good offensive mind. Now the big question in New York for both football teams is the quarterback position. Zach Wilson is going into year two. Uh, I have an open mind. Zach Wilson, in fact, I would say Zach Wilson's probably one of the guys I am most excited to watch this fall. Because they're putting good pieces around him. He's mature. He works really hard. I, I know some people who know him and speak really highly of his work ethic. And uh, it's not BS. They're not just saying that. They're, they really believe in the guy. And I I, I kind of do, too. I'm really excited to see if he can make a big jump in year two. Daniel Jones, I am way more skeptical of. He's had three years to prove it to me and has has done nothing to gain my confidence. We're going into year four with Daniel Jones. He doesn't have a contract after this fall. Thankfully, that means that if Daniel Jones is bad, the Giants can and will move on. Uh, But even, you know, I I think the Jets are more invested right now in Zach Wilson. If Daniel Jones doesn't work out, they can pivot, draft a new quarterback and move on. Uh, The Jets are are way more reliant right now on Zach Wilson doing well, which is, I, I would rather rely on Zach Wilson than Daniel Jones, but we'll see how things go. My point again is though that, again, my point is that without the quarterback position doing well, it doesn't matter how many good moves you make, what coaches you hire, All of your success in New York with both football teams relies on them getting a good quarterback and getting good quarterback play, whether that's the guy they have now or not. So um, we'll see how that turns out in years to come. I do not know how to spell this, how to say this name out loud. U.H. Rye. Uriah? Uriah? I'm sorry. I really don't know how to say your name. But he writes, he or she writes in, Aaron Rodgers and Kevin Durant get too much flack for things outside of Sports. Yeah, they appear to have some quirky things about them. But neither one gets into trouble, gets suspended, arrested, gets into cheating scandals, etc. I don't know them, but neither one strikes me as the person that a lot of the media and fans make them out to be. Hmm. Does Kevin Durant and Aaron Rodgers, do they get too much hate? Uh... Here's what I will say. First of all, I think sports need villains. Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, they're actually both villains, and they're on the same team, which is kind of interesting. Aaron Rodgers, I I would actually start to agree he gets too much hate, uh, but he's a great villain. People love to hate on him, and in the world of entertainment, there's value in having a villain that people can hate on and that people can root against. I mean, how do I put this? Um, Hatred sells, and people... It doesn't really matter why people are watching as long as people are watching it. And if people are watching because they really want to see Aaron Rodgers lose a football game, they're still watching. Uh, and Aaron Rodgers, put him on TV, people are going to watch that. He's entertaining, whether you love him or you hate him. Uh, and I-, I think there's tremendous value in... I- how do I... Uh, it's not. doesn't make me feel like happy and good inside, but there is value in having people that you root against and having people that not even myself, but I mean, a general football fan. Some people hate the Cowboys more than they like their own football team. Like some people really feel my my, my dad. uh, God bless him. Uh, My dad, I think feels more joy when Aaron Rodgers loses than when his favorite team wins straight up. I mean, and I think a lot of people are like that. There's nothing wrong with that, in my opinion, either. I mean, it drives people to watch. And anything that generates passion in the world of sports, I think, is valuable for the sports world. Now, you make a good point, which is that the only thing Kevin Durant and Aaron Rodgers have really ever actually done is create drama. Um, and, And really, that's relatively mild. You're right. No cheating scandals, no arrest records, no, nothing crazy. Like actually, you know, like actually straight up. Like Aaron has been, Aaron Rodgers has been very well behaved. Kevin Durant, compare Kevin Durant to James Harden. I, I saw a story literally this morning that apparently James Harden spent over a million dollars at a strip club to get his jersey retired on the wall. Are you are you kidding me? How how is that guy better received than Kevin Durant? James Harden should get way more hate than Kevin Durant. It's crazy to me. Uh, Now, hate's the wrong word there, but, like, I guess you would think that logically one is worse than the other, and I I don't know. Um, It it says a lot about what our society views, I guess. Uh, Nothing wrong with a strip club, I guess, but my my point is that if you're going to have one guy to hate on, wouldn't you rather hate on that guy than the guy who says weird crap on Twitter? Like, you know what I mean? Like, eh, I don't know. I'm not sure I'd want to work with either Aaron Rodgers or Kevin Durant, by the way. Uh, But also I will say the more talented you are, the more notoriety you get, the better you are at your job. And the more you succeed, the more people will hate you for that and uh, hate sells. And I think sometimes getting hated on is kind of a compliment because it means that you're doing something right and you're grabbing people's attention. And uh, people love to tear down people who do well and succeed. ENK writes in and says – The MLB is hot garbage, and they need to change everything. Install the salary cap, play 100 games, a universal DH, and contracts that can be a max of five uh, years. Contracts can be a max of five years. Um, You know what I have to say to this, honestly, is that the worst thing about baseball right now is the refs. I mean, there are so many blatant bad calls that are ego-driven look up madison bumgarner uh ejection madison google madison bumgarner ejection watch the john Boy video it- it's ridiculous the mlb right now um not only has that problem they're they're bloated i mean the games are too long there's too many uh and, and it's an mlb problem not a baseball problem Baseball as a sport is incredible. I really, really love baseball. I mean, I I really think that's lost on people. How much I enjoy the game. I watch so much baseball on YouTube where I watch highlights. I watch best plays. I watch John Boy. It's really hard to convince me to sit down and watch a game on a random Tuesday. It's long and it doesn't matter. Imagine if they played 50 games instead of 162. If you played every game, every team... Uh, in the league once and then you play teams in your division another time or two and that's literally it how much more meaningful would every game be there'd be way more tension and then if you played six or seven innings instead of nine it would screw up stats and the history of the game absolutely but it would be a better product and i i i just you know let me let me read another question i do have another baseball question let's just go to it now because i'm really interested in this topic let me find, um, if I can find it, geez. Uh, give me one second. Because someone wrote in about baseball, and I want to make sure I talk about it if I can't find it. Thomas writes in. Thomas says, quote, dead time in baseball sucks if you're watching the game on TV, but it's great if you're actually at the game. The dead time gives you, the fan, more time to take care of your business, whether it's bathroom or concession runs, and most of the time, you don't miss very much. Most venues put on a wacky promotion during the dead time to keep you entertained if need be. That being said, when I do get the chance to watch my White Sox or any baseball game, for that matter, on TV, I usually end up on my phone. Hmm. Uh, Baseball is... So much better in person. You watch it live and in person. Get a hot dog, get a beer. You're with your friends. You're having... Baseball is an event that you go to, and it's happening. You're talking over it. You're commenting on the game. You're catching up on your life. It's a social event, and it's a a wonderful social event. I love going to baseball games with my friends. It's outstanding. And the fact that you can... Gosh, I don't know. Um... It's a live event, and, and baseball is bloated. Uh, I think it's a bit unsure of its identity because it doesn't translate very well to TV, unfortunately. And maybe baseball is just going to be more like the WWE, which I, 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 don't, I know people do watch the WWE on TV, but it's bigger in person. Like Even the problems with baseball, I really hate the bad, refer, the bad umpires right now bad strike calls, ego-driven stuff, you miss a call at first base, like little things that are annoying you can't review. On TV, it's infuriating. I would argue that a bad umpire in person is fun. It actually engages you even more. On TV, it's a weakness of the game, but when you're there in person, it feels unfair and it pisses you off. But it actually makes you lean in a little bit closer and you're yelling at the TV, hey, and the whole crowd turning on a ref, uh, turning on an umpire is actually a fun thing in person. There's value there. It, it makes me more engaged in the thing happening. So I think baseball just either needs to just embrace it. It's a live event and it's better in person and, and maybe it already has. Um, and, and if P- everyone accepts that and says, we're going to go to games and stop watching on TV, like, I don't know, I think... Ba- TVs created a problem for baseball where it has so much revenue from TV contracts that I don't think is a very sustainable model. I've talked about this before. And if we all just as a as a society agree, hey, we're not going to watch baseball on TV. It's not very good. But instead of trying to make them change, let's just accept that it's outstanding and really fun in person. Yeah, you know, I- unfortunately, I I think baseball would dominate if If they were willing to change. I mean, if they wanted to cut the season down and uh, have shorter games, I think they would be able to have ratings like football on TV. The question is, do they want that? Are they happy the way they are? Maybe baseball never is going to be a big television sport. Maybe it's always going to be an event sport you go to. And that's okay if that's what they want. The question is, if it gets to the point of, Death, Right. If, if they are dying, they better change, change or die. Um, but I, I don't know. I, I, I see a, multiple outcomes in the future of baseball, and they're all viable. Um, I, I would really like to see baseball maybe limit the amount of money you can spend and just lower salaries all around the league. Uh, And say, we're just going to be less bloated. We're going to trim the fat. We're going to have fewer games. We're going to have shorter games. And we might make a little bit less money initially. But it's an investment in eventually getting way more people to watch. Because if we make everything more meaningful, we might get more viewership on television. But again, I, I would back that up by saying, maybe you don't need more viewership on television. Maybe you just accept that baseball is an event that you go to. I mean, I've never been to New York, but I would imagine if you're living in New York, one of the best things to do in that city is go to a Yankee game. Like it's a thing. You get a hot dog, you get a beer, you go, you ride the subway, you go with your friends. I mean, that's an event you go to and they're never going to have trouble getting people in the stands because it's one of the things you do in that city. And I I can't say enough how much I romanticize that, you know, my, my buddy, Sean, uh, lives on the mainland. I'm going to a Mariners game with him. In June, we're gonna we're gonna ride the train up north so that we don't have to drive home. We're gonna get blasted drunk, have hot dogs, talk about stuff, catch up, talk about girls, talk about life, talk about everything. It's gonna be awesome, and, and also watch baseball and then yell when the umpire misses a bad call and cheer when there's a home run hit. And he's gonna wear a Mariners jersey and I'm gonna wear black because I hate the Mariners. But my point is, like, I can't wait for that moment. Like, there is value in that. And I just—I guess I'm—I'm I'm rambling here, but I'm not really sure where baseball fits in in my heart. Do I want to watch it on TV? Maybe it doesn't need to change, and it just is that romantic thing you go to once a year. I don't know. But baseball is a lot closer to a concert than it is to football. It's a live event. It's not really something I—I I have any interest in watching on TV. I would if they made it shorter, and if they made games more meaningful. But you're not going to grab me. Where I I love where I live. Um, I, I'm always doing stuff outside. I'm adventuring. And on a random Tuesday, in a game that doesn't feel like it matters, I'm not going to sit down and watch it. I just, I'm not. Okay, Devin writes in. Devin says, not sure if this is a hot take, but many would consider it blasphemous. But I don't think Pittsburgh finishes in last place this year. <laughs> Devin, I love you, man. Devin's a Steelers fan. Um, Here's the, maybe the thing that you're missing in all this, man, is that you're saying, you're not arguing that the Steelers are going to win the division. You're saying, hey, Pittsburgh isn't going to be the worst team in the division. That's already a terrible place to start from. You're like, well, I don't hate my girlfriend. Hmm, why is that your fault? You're not saying you love your girlfriend. You're saying, I don't hate her. You know what I mean? Like, that's a, that's a weird thing to focus on. Let's be honest about Pittsburgh. They have the worst quarterback in the AFC North. Lamar Jackson, Joe Burrow, Deshaun Watson. I would even argue that Baker Mayfield might be better than Kenny Pickett might be. We'll see how things play out. The Steelers are not awful, but their division around them is really good. And I I would argue, yeah, the Steelers are probably going to finish last in their division, if nothing else, because their quarterback is going to be the worst one there. Um, but, but, you know, if your focus is on We're not fourth in the division. Are you really winning anyway? You know, like, whether you're third or fourth, you're not going to be good. So I don't know. It's a weird thing to focus on, my man. Manny writes in, uh, so remember, I I hate ketchup. I called ketchup weird, sugary acid. And, And let's be clear. I don't put ketchup on hot dogs or burgers or the... Only time in my life I use ketchup is when I put it on hash browns. For some reason, hash browns, like at IHOP, that makes sense to me. French fries, no way. There's way better dipping sauces than than ketchup. You ever had, frankly, you go to McDonald's, McDonald's, the McDonald's app, you get a large fry for a dollar. It's amazing. McDonald's fries don't even need any sauce. They're so just yummy, salty goodness. But if you want it, get uh, chipotle sauce, spicy mayo from Burgerville. Uh, sweet and sour sauce at McDonald's. Any fry sauce is way better. I'm a, I'm a huge mustard guy. I don't like sugar very much. Mustard, like, if I get a hot dog, go to Costco, get a hot dog. It's like $1.50, you get a drink. It's an incredible deal. I don't know how it's even possible. They're not making money on that, surely. But you go to get a Costco dog, you, put, you slather it in mustard, and then you're good. No ketchup. Ketchup makes it worse. All you need is mustard. So, Manny writes in and says, thank you. Ketchup is so nasty, (laughs) but my sports hot take is people hate on the Dallas Cowboys way too much. I am biased as a Dallas fan, but people spend more time hating on the Cowboys than liking their own team, and I say this is a hot take because the vast majority of people I see always bring up how it's been, how long it's been since Dallas has won a Super Bowl, yet it never seems to be brought up with other teams. Love the content, and side note, steak is overrated as well. Steak to, bro, you live in—it sounds like you live in Texas. You might not, but yeah, you probably don't. There are Cowboys fans everywhere. Uh, are you in Texas, though? Because I will drive to you and make you a steak. We, we can debate this in person. That'd be really fun. That'd be a fun video. Um, and I'll literally play a clip of me talking right now and then play a video of us eating steak, and you can say, is steak still bad? And you can probably say yes or no. Um, yes, seriously, I'll come to you and make you a steak if you want. That'd be, I'll put it on my tailgate. Uh, the world needs villains, The Cowboys are a great villain in sports. Uh, They've got a loud fan base that's a bit delusional. The reason why people always talk about how long it's been since Dallas won a Super Bowl is because you fans of the Cowboys talk about it every year. This is our year. We're going to win the Super Bowl this year. You don't see very many other fan bases doing that. Go talk to a Minnesota Vikings fan. They're rational. They're like... Yeah, we're going to try to like not finish last in our division. That that's what we're focused on. Maybe if things go right, we can beat the Packers this year, right? Like they're not delusional. The Cowboys are delusional every single year. Part of why they hate on you, right? Cuz you you talk so big and then don't back it up. Uh also, you need villains in in sports. In football, you got Tom Brady, you got Aaron Rodgers, you got the Dallas Cowboys. I mean, People like watching them lose even more than they like watching their team win. It gives them the same feeling of joy. And anything that creates emotion in sports is good. I mean, uh, I, who do I hate the most in sports? I'm trying to think. Um, uh, uh, how do I? I don't know. I'm trying to think. Uh, the Seattle Mariners are a, a baseball team that I, I loathe. I was a, kid, a fan of them as a kid. They broke my heart deeply. They feel more like a former ex-girlfriend than a baseball team at this point. Um, and, and when the Mariners lose, I celebrate in my heart. I feel so happy. In fact, it's kind of awkward because he got this really great young prospect who's playing for them now as a rookie and he's killing it. And I really like him. And I'm like, ah, I don't know how to feel about this because I like him as a player, but I hate the baseball team. Can we trade him away? Can we, I, I said, we see, I'm still stuck there in this weird Stockholm syndrome fandom of the Seattle Mariners. I hate them with a passion. I love when they lose. It makes me happy. So there is, there is power in that, and uh, I think there's value in watching Dallas lose and celebrating that. <laughs> um, here's a great name on Patreon. Uh, <laughs> Bigus Dickus, BD, uh, says Texas, USC, Miami, and Oklahoma will combine for less than 32 wins, and two of those teams will fail to make a bowl game. Uh, Hey, BD, I think you got some bad math here, because if you divide 32 by four, you get eight. So even if they all win seven games, that's still a bowl eligible year. And if all three of those programs, USC, Miami, Texas and Oklahoma, if they all go seven and five, they're making a bowl game because their branding is big. They're a big name in the football world. Uh, however, I will say I do. I buy into USC and Miami working. I think Lincoln Riley and USC is a home run. I think Mario Cristobal and Miami is going to be awesome. I'm very skeptical of Texas and Oklahoma. I actually like um, Brent Venables, Oklahoma's head coach, but they're going to the SEC at some point soon. I, I'm not a big believer that Texas or OU is going to become a powerhouse in football. I would like them to be, but I don't think they will. But uh, to say they're going to win less than 32 games combined. If they do that, they all win seven games. They're still all going to be bowl eligible, and they're going to make a bowl game off name value alone. So, um, yeah, I think it's poor logic there. Carson writes in and says, Carson Strong will be the best quarterback taken out of the 2022 NFL draft if, if his leg heals. That's a big if and or, but, I mean, if his leg heals. It might not. Uh, but yeah, he's an undrafted free agent who went to Philadelphia. They're not sure if they're committed to Jalen Hurts, long term at quarterback. They're going to give him a shot. Um, Carson Strong has a lot of potential. By the way, shout out to Marcus Whitman, uh, that franchise guy, friend of the show, love him. Uh, he put me on to Carson Strong. He said, hey, go watch him and recommended him. He's got some great tape early on in his, his season, and then his knee fell apart. And uh, I'll say, like, if any. If there's any undrafted free agent quarterback that I'm like, this guy could work out. It is Carson Strong. Okay, Zachariah writes in with a a blasphemous couple takes. He says, "Uh, sports ball, meaning, let's talk about the sports side of it. The Bengals Super Bowl run was a fluke that won't be repeated. The defense gelled perfectly. The team stayed abnormally healthy. Joe Burrow had one of the best quarterback years of the past decade, and Jamar Chase took a ton of corners off guard. Zach Taylor is an average tier coach that was lifted by circumstances. The Bengals will be a Titans tier team for the next decade. Division wins, first round buys and unable to go past the true powerhouses of the AFC. That's Cincinnati. uh, Can't gonna, he's what he's saying is he won't be able to get past Buffalo and Kansas city and um, whoever else will emerge, you know, probably the chargers for the next decade. Now, uh, non-sports balls, he says, bacon is not as good as you all make it out to be. You all are acting like it's the Flamin' yon of breakfast when it's really just warm, moist, jerky. Uh, dude, I will defend bacon more than steak. I will drive to you. I know where you live. We, we DM'd a little bit. Um, I'd love to make you some turkey bacon from Costco. Can I film it? Can I make a video about that? That'd be hilarious. I'm on a road trip going across America. Uh, can I stop and make you bacon? Turkey bacon from Costco. I think if you don't like bacon after that, hey, fair enough, because then you can say at least you've had good bacon and you didn't like it. But when you call bacon warm, moist jerky, what that tells me is that whoever made you food growing up didn't know how to make bacon very well, and you've never had good bacon. So uh, now maybe you just hate it. I'm very willing to have you Try my bacon. I'll make it two ways, and you can pick which one sounds more interesting to you. Um, but if you have my bacon and you don't like it, I I will say, hey, fair enough. He's just not a bacon guy. But to call it warm moist jerky, man, I just I just go back to. It. I think you've never had good bacon, which is heartbreaking, and I'm, I'm very sad for you. Like if you're getting bacon at like McDonald's and a, a fast food bacon or like microwave bacon or whatever, like fair enough. Then yeah, I would get why you wouldn't like it. But man, you've ne- you've never had the the good the good stuff, and uh, I'd love to show you that sometime. Now you might be right about Cincinnati. Time will tell. Uh, you know, the Bengals division was down last year. Lamar didn't play all you know every game last year. Baltimore was down. Um, Cleveland it was they had a bad year in Cleveland. They were unusually bad given how much talent they had. I mean, they should have been a really good team. That I thought Baker got hurt. They underperformed in a couple ways. Um, the Steelers had Big Ben at quarterback. I think they'll be better this next year with a better defense and probably better quarterback play, which isn't that hard because Big Ben was in his final year. The AFC North was at their weakest last year. And I, I will say the league reacted to Cincinnati. They said, wow, did you see how well Cincinnati did with a couple of good receivers? So we saw a massive, massive Fire sale on maybe spending spree is a better way to put it, on the receiver position. Watch the draft. There were eight receivers moved early in the draft. You know, six drafted, two traded. Um, the NFL is putting an all-time high value on the receiver position. Um, and by that metric, Cincinnati appears like they're still going to be good because they got the best receiving core, one of them in the league. Uh, so I'm I'm really curious how your take is going to age on Cincinnati. Were they overhyped and overrated, or, or are they truly just one of the best teams in the division? I don't know. Time will tell. Um, write in and let me know. If you're watching this or listening to this, write in. Let me know. Do you agree with Zachariah? Do you think that uh, the Bengals are a little bit overrated and, and maybe kind of a, had a fluky year last year but aren't going to be a sustainingly good football team? Jonah writes in and says, Jimmy Garoppolo is much better as a quarterback than people give him credit for. He's limited, but very efficient more often than not. So many people act as if he was the only limiting factor of the 49ers, when in reality, we had a weak weak right offensive line and a subpar secondary, allowing too many explosive plays. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo is physically limited as a quarterback, meaning that he will never be able to play like Josh Allen, Justin Herbert, or Patrick Mahomes. He's got a limited potential. But he still does a lot of good work. He's a very good decision maker. He's accurate with the football. has a very weak arm. Um, But there's value there. Like, as as a former quarterback, I respect the work that Jimmy Garoppolo does. And I probably should say that more often, actually. But people uh, have a hard time with middle-of-the-road, solid, good work. If you're not a superstar... You must be a terrible player. There isn't really room for middle ground in our polarizing society that is has we we value the extreme. And if you're not one extreme, we'll push you into the other. If you're not Patrick Mahomes, we're gonna say you're you're terrible. Jimmy Garoppolo is a lot closer to Kirk Cousins than he is to, I don't know, name any quarterback who's not in the league anymore. I I think actually like that's a good comparison there. He's solid. He's not a franchise quarterback, but because of limited potential, he's devalued a lot. I mean, it's Jimmy Garoppolo is uh I think uh, I would say a Toyota Prius. A Toyota Prius is a very good car. Like from like many many standpoints, right? Uh gets great gas mileage, they're reliable, they don't break down a ton. Uh I'm a big Toyota fan. I I was a mechanic for a year. I can't recommend enough how great Toyotas are. Everyone should buy one. If you're not buying one, you're probably making a mistake. And I say that as a guy who drives a GMC, right? I should have bought a Toyota. I knew that when I bought it. I just bought it anyway. Uh, But imagine getting a Toyota Prius to tow your RV. Towing your RV is like trying to get to a Super Bowl and win. Um, A Toyota Prius is a good car, but it's simply unable to tow your RV, you want you have got a trailer you want to go camping with? Hey, you can't drive a Prius. So you got to upgrade and buy a truck if you want to get your your trailer into the woods. So you can go camping with it. It's got a limited potential. A Toyota Prius does doesn't make it bad. It means it's not a truck. It's it's a little bit different than what you need to get to where you're going. If you know, I'm trying to think of if a Toyota Tundra is Josh Allen, Jimmy Garoppolo is a Prius. Does it make the Prius a bad car? Or does it make Jimmy Garoppolo a bad? quarterback no it means that he's not ever going to be able to do the things that josh allen can um i think it's a solid solid analogy i did my best there (laughs) uh okay peyton writes in and says while i can't deny tom brady had a more successful career peyton manning was a better quarterback i'm completely unbiased just don't look at my name he's named peyton peyton manning did you write into the show no way holy crap um Peyton was more likable. Peyton uh acted more like an everyman. He drank normal beer and drove a truck and wore jeans like Peyton, like it or not appealed more to the common man where Tom Brady's driving Aston Martins and wearing watches. It goes to form of the one races and um Peyton also played on more explosive football teams, meaning he had and Marvin Harrison for a lot of his career to throw the football to. And when you got those guys out wide, it's easier to look really good. Um, and I'm not trying to take away from Tom Brady, from Peyton Manning at all, but I will say, remember when Tom Brady got Randy Moss that year, he was incredible. Um, <clears throat> so I think both are great. I, I would say that Peyton played more of his career with a better receiving core. Um, now, I, I'm, I'm biased here. I, I love Tom Brady. He's my favorite player of all time. But Peyton Manning was also my favorite. I, I learned how to throw a football by watching Peyton Manning. I think I can still speak objectively, uh, but I, I do believe that Tom Brady is genuinely better in big moments. Um, Peyton, I think at times, struggled with tension. He overprepared, and you could see him tighten up in big moments. Like the weight of a moment appeared to visibly hit Peyton Manning differently than Tom Brady. Go watch the Super Bowl between the Saints and the Colts. Uh, Peyton Manning threw a really bad pick six, and I thought a couple times it was forcing throws. And the weight of the moment got to him. Also, Tom Brady took better care of his body. And I'm not just talking, you know, Peyton Manning had a neck injury, but go watch Tom Brady's throwing motion evolve as the years go on. Peyton Manning never changed the throwing motion And I used to throw a football that way. It really hurts your neck. What fell apart for Peyton Manning? His neck. He should have evolved and adapted his throwing motion. He never did. I think it really hurt his career. He also never took care of his body physically in that he drank beer and wouldn't sacrifice his diet. Um, Both are legends, though. I mean, I I really don't – I don't even like comparing Tom Brady and Peyton Manning because both are incredible. Like, does it matter – and, and how do you define better? I don't I don't know. I honestly don't know. I know defenses, if you were playing against Tom Brady or Peyton Manning, um, you wouldn't want either one of them. You're, both are terrifying to play against. So um, right into the show, let me know. What do you think? Tom Brady or Peyton Manning, who's better? And, and then how much of that is popularity? How much of that? How much? Like, I think Peyton Manning's more popular. I think Tom Brady won more Super Bowls. Both are successful. I don't know how you really... What's the deciding factor and what makes them quote-unquote better? I don't know. Um, maybe Peyton Manning had more years of better statistics, but the years that Tom Brady played with amazing receivers like Peyton had for a lot of his career, i.e. Tampa with Mike Evans and Chris Godwin and shoot Antonio Brown when he was not crazy, uh, or, or playing with Randy Moss, I mean, it's not like Tom Brady was bad in the years he had. Tom Brady was prolific, In the years where he had really explosive, amazing teams around him. So, I don't know. I don't know. I don't really know how you make a determination there. I don't really care. Carter writes in and says, Tom Brady gets called overrated because he's the most boring quarterback of our generation. Yes, he wins, but he's thrown more checkdowns than the second place and third place guy combined. Talking the New England days, I honestly never watched much of his Tampa play for Tom Brady. Yeah, Carter, I would recommend go watch the Randy Moss era in New England or in Tampa with Mike Evans. He can stretch the field and often does. Right. If you challenge him and give him one on one coverage, he's going to beat you deep every time. I would even say that in New England, he was capable of that. He just never had a receiver who was capable of winning outside. Go watch Nikhil Harry and tear your eyeballs out. Um, The Patriots were boring to watch during the Tom Brady era, and they still are boring to watch. They win games in the margins with the small, subtle details that a lot of teams don't even pay attention to. But you got to respect a guy like Tom Brady. You can always send the ball to the right spot. I mean, that does take skill and is valuable. Um, I agree, though, that he is called overrated because of his boring style in New England. And I, I, uh, yeah, I mean, I. I think for much of Tom Brady's career, he was incredibly boring to watch. I, as a kid, loved it because I respected decision-making, was always blown away. Like, wow, he saw the safety rotate. He saw them take away everything deep. He found the right guy open in the left flat. Like, that's incredible, right? Stuff like that. I'm just, I remember being a kid going like, I learned how to beat a blitz by watching Tom Brady. Teams would blitz Tom Brady, and he'd go, <laughs> all right then, slant, 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 just shredding people with little stuff underneath. Uh, and I learned a lot about how to play quarterback position from watching Tom Brady. I don't know. Boring but effective, maybe, is what I would say. Okay, the final question of today is about Formula the one, so let's talk about it. We just had the Miami Grand Prix. I think technically it's the, the United States Grand Prix. I'm going to call it the Miami Grand Prix. I don't know the official name. It was in Miami. It was interesting somewhat. Uh, in fact, actually, I would argue most of the race was kind of uneventful. Like on lap number nine, Max Verstappen passed Charles Leclerc for first place, and that's about all that happened in the first 47 laps. I mean, there was a couple of times that uh, Fernando Alonso bumped other people, stuff like that, but um, you know, Max Verstappen won the race. He got fastest lap. Charles Leclerc got second. Carlos Sainz got third to round out the podium. It was Red Bull, then two Ferraris. Sergio Perez got fourth. George Russell got fifth. Lewis Hamilton got sixth, and Valtteri Botas got seventh. I'm not really interested in the other finishers. Um I want to I want to remind you though that Max Verstappen at this point in the the year, 5 races in, he's 3 for 3. All 3 races that Max Verstappen has been able to finish, he's won. So, it's looking more and more like hey, the reason why like reliability was a big problem for Red Bull early on, they've been reliable recently and Max keeps winning over and over and over again and uh in the battle between Max and Charles Leclerc. Max, more often than not, has more pace. So, um, I, I think at this point, it's it's looking favorable that in the long run, Max is going to win this battle between Max Verstappen and Charles Leclerc. Like there was a couple moments uh, I thought that, um, you know, landed, Lando Norris crashed near the end of the race. It led to a safety car, it brought the pack together. It felt like there was an opportunity where Charles Leclerc might be able to make a move and pass Max Verstappen. And then he couldn't. Actually, there was no, no, no lead change in the first four drivers. It was always the whole time. Max, Charles Leclerc, Carlos Sainz, and then Sergio Perez. And it, it just appears like Max is going to have better pace all year. I mean, I, I'm waiting for some kind of change to happen because right now, Red Bull's faster in the straights and he's got more pace than Charles Leclerc. And he's won every single battle head-to-head when they've got an opportunity. Um, McLaren had a horrible weekend. They struggled with pace. They were not in the top 10 for most of it. Uh, Daniel Ricciardo got P13. Lando Norris uh, did not finish. He crashed and wasn't in the top 10 either, though. So no points for McLaren. That really hurts them. It's cool to see Valtteri Bottas uh, legitimately competing with the Mercedes cars. He lost out. He had a moment where he had the lead on both of them. He went wide. Both Mercedes passed him. Uh, but the fact that in an Alfa Romeo car, Valtteri Bottas is legitimately competing with a Mercedes at all. It's, it's super cool to see that. Uh, now, Jaden wrote in on Patreon, as you can. Jaden says, George Russell is Mercedes' best driver. It's a hot take. Uh, you could almost just say scoreboard, though. George Russell's got 59 points in, in five races. Lewis Hamilton only has 36. Lewis is getting outperformed. And George Russell's been in the top five of every race this year. And I keep waiting and waiting and waiting for Lewis to turn it on. Still waiting. Lewis has been struggling with the car. Um, George is handling it a lot better. And it's a question worth asking. Is George Russell the best driver on the Mercedes team? We're getting to the point five races in now where it's really worthy of asking. You're like, huh. The more evidence we're getting, the more it appears to be pointing at George being the better driver. And how much of that how, – How could this have happened before? Was, was Lewis kind of allowed to be dominant over Valtteri Bottas and Valtteri not really w- allowed to challenge Lewis? Does that make sense? Like he was the clear number one driver and Mercedes never allowed Valtteri to really show what he was capable of in my opinion. And and I guess that's not even, that's not really fair because there were times where Valtteri just really couldn't make any moves from the back and couldn't pass people. So maybe that's not quite fair to say, but um, I, I just go back to it. George right now looks a lot better than Lewis. And uh, I will say, is it part of this discussion happening because Lewis Hamilton is just a really good villain in Formula One? Like he's dominated for so long. Uh, so people love to hate on him. Is that possible? Like... I just I want to be careful that we don't lose respect for Lewis Hamilton while we're having this conversation because certainly he's incredible. Now um, I'm an American, my country regularly makes me cringe a little bit uh, with some of the stuff that goes on. Definitely uh, the post race stuff that went on <laughs> after the Grand Prix in Miami uh, it made me cringe. You know, Willie T ribs. Giving really awkward interviews that I'm like, what what are you first of all, I don't even know it just it was a bad fit. I don't think Willie T. Rib should have been interviewing anyone. uh it didn't really make sense. I don't know why we needed to force American culture on form of the one. They've got like football helmets on the podium, got a police escort to the podium. I don't know if that was necessary, and maybe it was, but do they have to blast the sirens? I guess I don't know like why the sirens. The podium was far away, though, so maybe they had to make that. I just, I don't know. I, I just, there was a lot of, like, forced Americanism on, on this F1 event. And uh, I don't think Miami's the best symbol of America. Like, I I don't know. I just, I don't know. Like, man, really? We got to make them wear football helmets. Why? Why? I, I was kind of, like, annoyed by that stuff. Um, let it be what it is. We don't need to change Formula One. I don't know. After the race, here are the driver's standings. Charles Leclerc is still number one in Formula One. He's got 104 points for Ferrari. Uh, Red Bull driver Max Verstappen is second in Formula One with 85 points. Getting closer and closer. Sergio Perez is third in Formula One with 66 points. George Russell is in fourth with 59 points. And Carlos Sainz is in fifth with 53 points. Charles Leclerc, Max Verstappen, Sergio Perez, George Russell, and then Carlos Sainz. In the constructor standings, the team standings are formula one. You got Ferrari in first with 157 points. Red Bull is in a very close second right now with 151 points. They are challenging Ferrari greatly. Mercedes is in third with 95 points. Uh, For a while, I thought they were going to have a tough battle with McLaren. McLaren is falling behind. McLaren is in fourth with 46 points. And then Alfa Romeo is in 5th with 31 points and Alpine is in 6th with 26 points. Uh like this battle, Charles Leclerc and Max Verstappen, Red Bull versus Ferrari. It's the highlight of Formula 1 and how outstanding and incredible is it to have two teams and two drivers battling so heavily for first and F1. I love it. I'm so grateful for it. And uh, y'all better enjoy it because it is certainly a lot of fun to watch. All right, guys, I love you. I appreciate you. That's all I have. Uh I just, thanks for tuning in. Go listen to my other podcast, Zach Schaumler Talking. Have a great day. And uh, ba dum bum bam, we are done.